Greetings and welcome to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mullett. Uh, you can visit our website at logicalbelief.org. Uh, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube. You can search for and subscribe to my channel there. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes. Just search for Logical Belief. Uh, both the audio and video uh, can be found at the website. Uh, just click on the top menu item that says podcast. Now uh, you'll see all the previous podcasts listed there. Um, if you want to send me a message, uh, a word of encouragement, or a question, uh, you can send those from the contact page on the website, um, or you can just send those to jason at logicalbelief.org. Uh, just be aware, however, if you do send me a message, that you are give, giving me permission to read it on the air. Okay, well, thank you guys for uh, <coughs> joining me today. Uh, I want to thank uh, those of you that um, messaged me and informed me of some of the issues that we were having with our audio on the podcast um, on the iTunes feed. It was coming through only on one channel, uh, the stereo. So I went back and I looked at some of them, and some of them only did record on one channel. So I have fixed those past podcasts and re-uploaded those so we should be set uh, found out what was causing the issue and uh, so we should be good from here on out so thanks for um, the words of encouragement and for letting me know about that so today um, what we're going to be talking about is something that I've encountered myself in discussing with atheists, but I've also seen other people in dialoguing with atheists will encounter this. And so I want to address this. I want to try to equip you. Um, if you're talking to atheists and, and you get uh, you get uh, hit up by this, and this is the atheist claim that um, they lack belief, in God. Uh, it's an attempt they're making to get away from the positive assertion that there is no God, which is um, really a philosophically indefensible position. Um, but what I want to actually demonstrate is that their assertion that they lack a belief in God or have a lack of belief in God um, is also equally philosophically indefensible. And they don't really have um, any ground to stand on with that. So what I've done is I've put together um, a little presentation, um, as I've done on some of my past episodes, especially on those with uh, presuppositional apologetics. <clears throat> so I went ahead and put together a presentation for this. I will make this available on the... Um, the posting on the website for the podcast, I'll go ahead and link it there in PDF format if you want to grab that and if it's uh, is helpful to you. I'm going to, however, transition my screen here so you guys can actually see the presentation. Um, it's entitled here, Do Atheists Lack Belief in God? Question. So we'll go through this and we'll kind of break it down. We'll look at the, the problems um, that atheists really have with this particular claim and maybe help uh, better equip you 
<clears throat> in dealing with this. So the first thing we're going to do is let's define what a lack of belief is. And I will, as I go through this presentation, I will show you how the atheist is actually conflating the terms believing or believe and the word belief. Uh, believing or believe is an action, whereas belief is a noun uh, describing um, a set of um, actions that we do when it comes to believing, either believing or not believing. So, right on the first slide here, I have a definition, and I say here, we only lack belief in concepts of which we are unaware. So, concepts that we are not aware of are the only types of concepts of which we actually lack a belief in. And I described it also this way, we can only lack belief in concepts of which we are ignorant. If we have no knowledge of a particular concept, uh, therefore we cannot construct a belief system based upon that concept because we don't know what it is. We're ignorant of it. So therefore that is a lack of belief. So... I wrote this here, the moment that we become aware that we are no longer ignorant of a particular concept, idea, uh, thing, uh, once we become aware of that, then we make an initial judgment, immediately uh, logically following the moment when we become aware, we do make an initial judgment. All of us do this. We make an initial judgment of believing or not to believe. So we make a judgment to believe or not to believe. And whatever we choose based upon that concept that we become aware of will fall into one of those categories. Either we will, with, most, uh, with absolute certainty, um, believe it and believe it to be true knowledge, or we will place it into a category of uh, not believing it and not knowing whether it is true knowledge or not. So that is what a lack of belief is. So one of the first arguments, and I've, <clears throat> I've heard uh, Matt Slick from Karm.org use a form of this particular argument, but I want to uh, kind of refine the argument here. Uh, and then I'll go into several other arguments that I have uh, to demonstrate the issue that the atheist has with this particular claim. So, the, uh, the thing that Matt Slick has brought up is that um, action uh, requires <clears throat> uh, a belief. In other words, we don't act upon things that we have a lack of belief in, that we are ignorant of. It's not possible for us to act upon that which we are unaware of. So the first thing I just want to point out here 
um, before we even get a little bit further in here, maybe I shouldn't have put this definition at this point in the slide, but um, is that I want to make sure that we're distinguishing once again, and I already made this at the opening, but that we distinguish between what um, a belief is and what believing is. So beliefs are either positive or negative. So in other words, we either uh, believe something or we do not believe something, which is negative. We either believe or do not believe. Both are beliefs. Not believing is a particular belief. It's a type of belief. And we can we only act upon those concepts for which we have a belief. We are unable to act upon those concepts of which we are ignorant or have a lack of belief in. So my first argument that I formalized here is that premise one, we cannot act upon concepts of which we have a lack of belief. It's not possible for us to do that. I cannot act upon something that I'm completely ignorant of. Somebody needs to tell me what that concept is. That way I can act upon it. So premise two of the argument is that atheists act upon their claim there is no God. They will uh, argue with Christians about this. This is an action. Uh, they will live their lives in a certain way uh, based upon their claim there is no God. So they act upon their claim there is no God. So therefore, atheists do not have a lack of belief. And so this syllogism kind of puts together uh, really the argument that, uh, that I've kind of heard Matt Slick use. So we cannot act upon concepts of which we have a lack of belief. Atheists act upon their claim there is no God. Therefore, atheists do not have a lack of belief when it comes to God. <clears throat> so, I want to keep pressing on this concept that once we become aware and we are no longer ignorant, once we have knowledge of a particular concept, that we begin to make an initial judgment about that particular concept. So, after acquiring knowledge of a particular concept, we make an initial judgment on that concept. And we choose to either believe in that particular concept, which when I'm using the term believe here, I'm not talking about um, probability. I'm not talking about, well, you know, I think it's 99% probable that it's true. No, I'm talking about certain absolute truth. Those things that we believe are true with certainty. That is true belief. Uh, that is belief as defined by the Bible, um, and we'll go into some scripture later on on that. But so when I make the assertion here of believing and not believing, I'm talking about a belief in something that we believe to be certainly true. Now, you have to have a worldview in which to actually be able to even work with terms like believing and not believing. Uh, the Christian worldview provides that foundation because within our worldview, we can have concepts like objective truth, uh, 
truth that we can know with certainty. We, we have these things. These are available within our worldview. So to the atheist who denies the foundation for certainty and, ob and objective truth, um, his his definitions and understanding of beliefs and believing and not believing become very muddled. Uh, he he can't really have a coherent way of using these words, even um, even though he will use them and he will use them consistent with the Christian worldview when it's convenient for him. But uh, he will have to abandon it when he's. Uh, when he is cross-examined on his denial of God. So when I, when I say here that we then choose, once acquiring knowledge of a particular concept, we make an initial judgment, we choose to believe. And what I, once again, what I mean by believing here is to believe with absolute certainty. Then we also, we can also choose to not believe. And there's multiple different things, that, different ways we can demonstrate our not believing with something with certainty. And that is we can either reserve final judgment till further information is received. It, that is a form of not believing. Um, we can make uh, a positive assertion that the concept is not true. So you can make a certain knowledge claim saying that the particular concept of which you have just been given knowledge of, that it is absolutely not true. So that's another form that's in the category of not believing. You can also make the assertion that the concept might probably even be true, but you're leaving it open that by saying that it, it's probably true, you're leaving open the probability that it could be false. So therefore, you are still in the category of not believing with certainty. You are in the category of not believing. And so anyone who makes any one of these assertions um, upon coming to the understanding of a particular concept is still in the category of not believing that particular concept. So I'm going to give an example here. So let's say I walked up to you, Mr. Atheist, and I said, uh, do you believe in fluff-fluff-fluff-flum? Do you believe in fluff-flum-flum-flum? Now, you could truly say, <laughs> after I say that, that you actually do have a lack of belief in because my statement was incoherent. You can't make any sense of it. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not rational in any way. It doesn't convey any information to you. So, since it doesn't convey any information to you, you can't make a judgment upon whether that particular concept is true or it is false. So that is a lack of belief. At this point, you do have a lack of belief in flafafaflam. There you go. So if I further clarified and I told you that by flafafaflam, <laughs> I actually mean that there is a gaggle of green goons in the middle of Jupiter's moon Europa. So if I explained it and I put it into more coherent language, now you can start making a judgment. Now you have the information, and now you are already in the process of passing a judgment upon the information that I've given you. 
and you're going to what you're going to come to a conclusion here is going to fall into either the category of believing this with certainty or you're going to fall in the category of not believing this but you are not going to be in the position any longer of being in a position of having a lack of belief you are now going to have some sort of belief on my particular uh, concept that I've presented to you. So you could either say, A, I believe there is a gaggle of green goons in the middle of Jupiter's moon uh, Europa, or you could say, I believe in, it is probably true, but could be false, that there is a gaggle of green goons in the middle of Jupiter's moon uh, Europa. Or you could say, I do not believe, this is a positive, um, well, it's a negative, but it's a certain assertion here that you do not believe that this concept is true, that the statement itself is true. So I do not believe there are a gaggle of green goons in the middle of Jupiter's moon Europa. That's C, you could say that. And D, the final one, I will reserve final judgment on whether there is a gaggle of green goons in the middle of Jupiter's um, moon Europa. Uh, and you're going to reserve judgment until you receive more information. So those are the possibilities uh, that you can uh, fall into. And only the first one is, I believe, the positive assertion uh, with certainty that you actually believe this is the only one that's in the category of believing. All the others are in the category of not believing. Now, these are all beliefs. All four of these are different types of belief about the concept that I presented you. You are no longer in the position of having a lack of belief. So the one who says, I'm certain this is true, he's a goonist. <clears throat> the one who says, I believe it's probably true, but could be false, is in the category of a non-believer uh, in goonology. Uh, C, I will reserve judgment till I see more evidence. He's a, he's a goon agnostic, that particular person. And the one who says, I am certain this is not true, is an A-goonist. He does not believe in goons, green goons in the middle of Europa. So, when, if somebody would say in response to the green goons in the middle of the moon in Europa, and said, well, I, I lack belief in green goons in Europa, the person who's saying that is actually making a category error. He's, he's placing his current belief uh, that there's no green goons in the middle of Europa. He's placing that back into his, into his prior state where all he knew was fliff-la-fluff-fluff-flam. That's all he knew. He didn't understand what the concept was. And so he's saying that he still doesn't understand the concept. Well, it's actually a self-refuting statement because he says, I lack belief in green goons. In Europa, he actually described the concept. So to say you lack belief, saying I don't understand the concept, and then to describe the content uh, concept is to refute yourself. It's a self-refuting statement. It's self-contradictory. And it's also making a category error. You are saying you're ignorant of the concept. You are not ignorant. You just stated the concept. So this is the issue with atheists who say that they lack belief in a god. 
the problem is is that the Christian is very willing to explain to the atheist the Christian concept of God. And the atheist at this point has to make um, some sort of judgment. Now that he is aware of the concept, he will make a particular judgment on whether he believes that that concept is in the category of being true, absolutely true, or being um, not true. So he's going to place that into those categories. He's no longer going to be in the state of being in a position of lacking belief. And I think I already mentioned this, but I have this uh, pointed out on the, on the slide. To claim a lack of belief in God is to conflate the terms belief and believe. Um, and so just because you do not believe something does not mean that you do not have a belief. No, to not believe something is is a belief system, is a type of belief. Um, you believe that you do not have a belief. So I formalized this into um, another argument. I put two arguments together here. Um, but I want to actually jump back to the the example that I gave about the gaggle of green goons. The reason I actually even use that example is that some atheists will will try to argue that the concept of the Christian God is, and I've heard atheists do this. I've not actually, I'm trying to think if I've had one personally do this. I don't, I can't recall. But some atheists, in trying to defend their position of lacking belief, in a God um, or lacking belief even in the Christian God is that they say it's that they can justify this particular position because our concept of the Christian God is incoherent. Um, so they're saying basically that they can't establish a belief because just the concept itself is so incoherent that they can't even establish a belief, whether negative or positive, about it. Um, the problem is, is the Christian doesn't, when explaining the Christian God to him, doesn't engage in a series of uh, disjointed words and grunts. He actually does explain the concept. The other problem with the atheist who says that the concept of the Christian God is incoherent is he is assuming that there is a standard by which you can judge whether something is coherent or not. And how does he have an objective standard from within his atheistic framework? How does he have a coherent, a standard uh, by which you can measure whether propositions and statements uh, and concepts are coherent or not? You, you don't have that within the atheistic framework, within the atheistic uh, worldview. Once again, he's borrowing from the Christian worldview, and you have to go back and listen to my episode on how unbelievers borrow from the Christian worldview. But that's what he's doing. If he says that it's incoherent, he has to even borrow from Christianity to argue that the concept of the Christian God is incoherent. In fact, he's telling you that it's so incoherent that he can't even determine whether to make a negative or positive belief about it. Um, 
which is is ridiculous because the Christian will very carefully assert what the biblical concept of God is and give him the information so that he doesn't have to be ignorant any longer, that he can have a clear representation of that concept and so that he can make a positive or constructive positive or negative belief system about it. So the reason I even use the the concept of a gaggle of green goons is because it's kind of a ridiculous uh, concept, really. And atheists will say, well, you know, the concept of God is a ridiculous concept also. You know, I reject that assertion, but they would say it's a ridiculous concept. But if I gave them the example of the gaggle of green goons, they wouldn't say, well, that's so incoherent, I can't even make a positive or negative judgment and construct a positive or negative belief system upon this concept of a gaggle of green goons. It's enough information for them to at least make a judgment about it. Now, we as Christians will give them much more information and we'll give them a concept of God, the transcendent, the eternal, the uh, immutable, the uh, infinite, um, tripersonal within his being, uh, we will give all the, the different biblical truths about God, and we will construct for them a concept uh, that they can then either uh, reject or deny. But they can no longer uh, say that they are in the category of having a lack of belief in it. So that's why I kind of use that that example. So even though a gaggle of green goons is kind of a goofy thing to bring up, somebody can still make... Um, a positive or negative assertion on whether that is true or not. So I have two more arguments here uh, that I have with this. And the first premise is, and you can see it here on the screen, is to lack a belief about God is to be ignorant of the concept of God. Atheists are not ignorant of the concept of God. Because we as Christians are very willing uh, to give them the concept of God. So, therefore, atheists do not lack a belief about God. They have been presented the concept of God, and they are no longer in the position of lacking a belief about God. Uh, second argument, premise one, to believe or to not to believe are both beliefs. Atheists claim to not believe in God. Therefore, atheists have a belief about God. So, one of the other things that um, um, atheists will do today is that in addition to trying to duck and cover and to try to be in a position of not actually taking a position, which is really what the atheist is trying to do with his uh, position of having a lack of belief. Um, what he's doing is he's, he's running for the tall grass. He's trying to hide from asserting a position by which he can be cross-examined. So what he's trying to do by trying to run and cover with this claim of lack of belief is he's trying to be in a neutral position where he's not making any sort of positive or negative assertion about the existence of God.
The problem is, is he can be even cross-examined from his position of lack of belief. And I've demonstrated several arguments and how that particular position is incoherent. Um, in fact, it's even self-refuting. So the that's that's what the atheist is trying to do. So the atheist will also um, try to engage in linguistic revision for even the terms atheist and agnostic. Um, and we'll go into that here um, in a little bit here, but um, the uh, well, let's let's just jump right into it. Uh, an atheist is a person who does not believe there is a God. That's the actual definition of an atheist. Um, in fact, the prefixed a means without, and theos is the Greek word for God, and so they are without a belief in, uh, or they are uh, without, or they, they do not believe there is a God. And that's what actually atheism means. They're not without a belief about God. Yes, they believe that, or they claim, uh, that's their assertion and their claim, that they do not believe there is um, a God. And so that is what atheist actually means. So to be in a position of a lack of belief um, is just saying that you're ignorant about any concept of God. Well, that's not that's not atheism. That's more in the category of even agnosticism, but that doesn't even fall in the category of agnosticism. We'll look here. Um, it, the other thing is that an atheist one who, is one who makes a positive assertion there is no God. An agnostic, on the other hand, um, is a person who does not know if there is a God or not. See, this is different than the position of lacking a belief in God, or belief they lack a belief about any gods. Um, that is saying that you're ignorant about any concept of God. Um, the agnostic, instead, is a person who doesn't know if there is a God or not. So he, that's what he's saying he's ignorant about. Uh, he's not saying that he's ignorant of any concept of God. Um, he's saying that he just doesn't know if God exists or not. That's the position of agnostic. Now, almost all atheists today, they fall into the category of an agnostic because very few will even make the positive assertion anymore that there is no God. Now, what's happened because of all this linguistic revision that's been going on is... Now you have some atheists will say, well, I'm a soft atheist, and somebody who says that there is no God, and they know there is no God, is a hard atheist. No, that's just the definition of an atheist. If, if, you're, a, if you're saying you're a soft atheist because, well, you're not sure if there isn't a God or not, well, then you're an agnostic. <laughs> you're not a soft atheist, you're an agnostic. It's one who claims ignorance of whether there is uh, a God or not. So that's an agnostic. So... There's no there's no reason for these different categories that atheists try to get themselves into to try to avoid being cross-examined in any sort of a dialogue. Uh, so you're either an atheist or you're agnostic. You're not in a position of lacking any sort of belief. You're not a soft atheist or a hard atheist. You're just an atheist. If you say that there is no God and you believe with certainty there is no God, then you're an atheist. If you don't know or you claim that you don't know if there is a God, um, 
if you're ignorant about that, then you're an agnostic. If you really are in a position where you lack any sort of belief about a God, well, then I'm very willing to, you can come on this show and I can give you the concept of the Christian God so that you don't have to be ignorant any longer of the concept. And uh, then you can determine whether you're an atheist or you're an agnostic. Uh, you can make, uh, you can see what category you're going to fall in based upon the concept that I can give you from the Word of God about who and what God is. So, most atheists today engage in, engage in linguistic revision and try to hold on to that moniker, even though they are more accurately defined as an agnostic. They just don't want to let go of that moniker. Um, <laughs> In fact, let's actually uh, go back to the prefix that exists on atheist or agnostic. Um, it means without or not is what the A means. And with agnostic, it is um, uh, gnostos or to be known is to not know. And with an atheist, it's to... Um, it's without or no God, to not believe there is a God. So there's other words in the English language like amoral. We know that somebody who is amoral is, or something that is amoral is without morality. It is no morality. Uh, you could say like the term asymptomatic. It means that there are no symptoms. Um, atypical. It is not typical. So, to try to hold on to the moniker of atheist and to say that um, you uh, do not know whether there is a God or not, then you're not an atheist. Uh, you are not without um, a belief uh, or without uh, that you don't believe in God. You're not making that positive assertion which is what the word actually um, means. So, we as Christians, though, should be a-atheists and a-agnostic. Uh, we don't actually believe there are really such, there really is such a thing as a true atheist and a true agnostic. Um, is because our foundation, our justification for all that we know, the Word of God uh, revealed to us very clearly asserts that there are no atheists and there are no ag agnostics. In fact, God himself is clear in his word that he does not believe in atheists or agnostics. As Christians, we should not believe in the existence of atheists or agnostics because God does not believe in atheists or agnostics. Let's look at the most common text that uh, most Christian apologists, presuppositionalists, will go to when looking at what the Bible says about what God reveals to us in his word that God says about those who claim, who make the claim that they are atheists or agnostics. It says, beginning in Romans 1 verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So what God's word tells us is that an atheist and agnostic is not have, he does not have a legitimate intellectual barriers to a positive belief in God. The Bible throws that out. There's no atheist that has honest intellectual barriers to um, a positive profession of God. He has none. The Bible eliminates that. In fact, what does it say here in the text? It says that they suppress the truth and they do so unrighteously. Not honestly. They do so unrighteously. And what are they suppressing? As Paul goes on in this text, he's saying that they're suppressing what is plain to them, what they have clearly perceived, what they know about God. It says they know God. And so in suppressing the truth about God, they become futile in their thinking. They claim to be wise. I mean, if that isn't a description of modern-day atheists, um, they became fools. As a result of this, um, the atheist, in order to deny God, he has to engage in linguistic revision. He has to um, refute himself, self-contradictory statements. He has to deny all knowledge whatsoever. Um, he has no foundation for epistemology. He can't justify the laws of logic. He can't justify any claim that he makes to moral absolutes. He can't do any of these things. They become fools. To deny God puts you within a foolish worldview. Puts you within a worldview that you cannot defend coherently. From any Christian theist that examines you with Scripture... As his presupposition, there's you have no foundation whatsoever. Um, and that is why they become futile in their thinking. In Psalms 19.1, it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So the creation of God itself is declaring and proclaiming God, the glory of God, and all. All creatures within God's creation, um, made in the image of God, hear this proclamation and this declaration, and they know it. They know it with absolute certainty that God exists. They just do not want to humbly submit and bow down to him. And that is their problem. It's not an intellectual barrier the atheist has. It's a moral barrier. That is his issue. In Psalms 14.1, it tells us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none 
who does good. And so we see Paul saying the exact same thing here in Romans 1.22, that they became fools. Now, the Bible here is not engaging in name-calling. What it's doing, it's describing the futility of the mind, of the thinking of a person who denies God. Their thinking will become futile, and in doing so, they are fools. And that is what the Bible tells us as Christians. So when we share the gospel, when we proclaim the truth of God uh, to others, we should not throw the Bible out and try to approach the unbeliever on neutral ground because he actually has, as if he actually had legitimate, honest objections to becoming a Christian. Um, he doesn't have those. The Bible eliminates those. If, if the unbeliever had honest and justified reasons for not humbly submitting to God, then God is not just in punishing them. That makes God unjust. And we as Christians should decry any sort of apologetic methodology that says that makes God the unjust judge over the one who refuses to believe. And so, um, at the same time, we as Christians need to recognize and remember the grace that God has placed upon our own heart, our own heart, because in that very same text that I just read in Psalms 14, as it goes on further, it talks about that that the condition um, of not doing good applies to all men, every single one of us. Um, Paul quotes from this text in Romans 3, where he goes through and he demonstrates from Scripture the depravity of all of man, both Jews and Gentiles, how we are all uh, alienated from God, and by our own nature we do not desire God and we, we hate him. And we do not do good. And all of us are in that state. And so any of us that are confessing Christ as Lord and trusting in the God of the Bible as our God and our Savior, we need to recognize humbly that were it not for the grace of God, we would be of the same futility of mind as the atheist and and those others who do not believe and trust in Christ. So we need to thank God, fall on our knees, humbly thank God that he has, by his grace, saved us, and that we were no different than the rest of mankind. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. We were no different. Uh, we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, in his mercy uh, and grace, has saved us and opened our hearts and our minds to the truth. We are not more intellectual. Uh, we were not smarter. We were not more humble than other people. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. And so, a Christian... Um, so, in this, uh, one of my final slides here is I want to go into, first of all, what the Bible talks about when it, when it talks about believing and what a Christian is and what a Christian claims about God. And then we'll just briefly look at comparing apologetic methodologies to see which one actually conforms 
to uh, what Scripture tells us here. As a Christian is one who with certainty believes in the existence of God. A Christian is not one who thinks that God probably exists, that the evidence leans that way. Um, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In uh, one of the earlier translations of the NIV, it actually translated it, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. So we see that the Christian faith is that which has assurance, that has certainty, that has absolute conviction. We see just a few verses later in verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. So this is the faith that was just described in verse 1. The faith that is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So that is the faith that that is needed to please God. For whoever draws near to God must believe. This is an absolute belief. This is a certain belief. This is not a, well, you know, God might probably exist, so therefore I'm going to be a Christian. Um, This is not Pascal's wager here. Uh, This is that we must believe. We are required to believe. And one question that I would ask is that, One cannot ground certainty in a probability. To make the reference point, the justification for absolutes and certainty, to that which is not certain or absolute is absurd. So if there are Christians out there that you're just betting that God probably exists, then you're trying to ground your certainty and your absolutes into a probability. And that's an absurd position to be in. Uh, The Bible describes our faith as one that is certain and one that is absolute. In fact, this is why um, William Lane Craig's apologetic methodology and evidential apologetics really bothers me. In a a recent, uh, well, several years ago, but uh, William Lane Craig debated Lawrence Krauss, uh, a physicist an atheist. And, um, well, actually, he might be an agnostic. I don't know if he's a, if he calls himself an atheist or not. But uh, William Lane Craig debated him. And in that debate, William Lane, or Lawrence Krauss, actually asked William Lane Craig if he was certain that God existed. And William Lane Craig's answer was, no, he wasn't certain. And that's the issue that we as presuppositionalists have with evidential apologetics, is it leads you to actually say that you are not certain of God's existence. In other words, you're just giving arguments that increase and demonstrate the high probability that the Christian God exists. Um, My hope and prayer is, is that is not truly what William Lane Craig believes. My prayer is, is that he believes in the God of Bible with certainty and not that he's I hope that was a a misstatement on his part Um, that is my hope and prayer but that's why we as presuppositionalists have issues with 
evidential type apologetics because it says that the unbeliever actually is in a position where he does have honest objections and honest issues with humble obedience to the God of the Bible when Scripture tells us that he doesn't. And it puts then God as his eternal judge into a position of unjustly judging him for his unbelief. And I just do not believe that is true. Romans chapter 1 says that they do know, and they all suppress the uh, truth of God in unrighteousness. So um, that is the end of that presentation. Um, I hope that was uh, helpful to you. Um, hopefully it wasn't too disjointed. I just kind of threw it together uh, <laughs> this morning. I had some notes I had taken down during the week, and I just threw it together in a PowerPoint. But it was something that I wanted to address. So I uh, hope that was helpful to you, and uh, hope to see you guys back next week, if the Lord's willing. And uh, God bless. Have a good rest of your weekend. Through Adam's offense